This is The Brew with Suzanne Morning. Visit us at suzannemorning.com. Join our Facebook page, Suzanne Morning Health and Healing. Like and follow us. Email us your questions for our month-ending podcast where we discuss issues and channel guidance. The Brew with Suzanne Morning at gmail.com. Email on the podcast image. The portal is opening. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. Beloved, beloved tribe. Karma's a bitch. Yeah, karma's a bitch. Or is it? Is it a bitch? Or is it the beloved? What goes round, comes round. He had it coming. Or did he? Is karma punishment? Or is it learning? Do we need to fear karma? Or can we embrace it? Karma's a bitch. Hmm. Let's have a little think about that. Is there such a thing as karma? Do we just go along life in our own merry way and there are no repercussions? Or is what goes up must come down? What goes down must come up. I'm just wondering about these themes. I've got some thoughts on them and I'd like to share them. I'd love to hear your feedback. <laughs> your ideas so do email them to me and if you have any questions for our end of month Q&A session send them in I used to think there was a karma what you reap you will sow thus saith the Lord smack smack uh, that was some of the belief system I had in my fundamentalist upbringing. Now, not all people in conservative or evangelical Christian churches think like that. I do speak for myself and my <coughs> interpretation of what I took in in the church. But I did believe there was kind of a Christian karma um, of getting what you deserved if you were bad or naughty or negligent. And so there was always a certain element of fear about getting it right. Keeping on the right side of God. Because he might have to discipline me. I do this in love for you, my child. What if all this loving correction stuff was really something we had organized for ourselves in this life? It's a big thought going to jump around with this theme today. You may or may not believe in reincarnation, but even if you don't, you can still ponder the question, <clears throat> excuse me, of whether there is some sort of karmic destiny mathematical equation that needs balancing within this life, even if it's just this life. Now, I always believed there was just one life and then the judgment. 
didn't believe in reincarnation. And of course, that's probably um, a nice way to control the masses. And let's remember historically that religion was there to control the masses. One life, one judgment. You can pay for your relatives in purgatory and you can pray for them. But no, you won't be coming back because we don't want you to be coming back because you might come after us. <laughs> God forbid, God forbid that we would give you the belief that you could come back <clears throat> because that's just too empowering for you. You might come back and grow and develop and become powerful and no longer need us to control and tell you what to do, to subjugate you and exploit you. So, yeah, I am the church, uh, the church of old, maybe even the church of today. Not all of them. And I say there's one life. Um... And let's go back karmically. Or no, maybe let's not go back. We'll do that a little bit later. I want to jump around to... Hmm, what do we call this? Reincarnation. Let's have a look at reincarnation because I think that's very much tied into the whole karmic theme. I, as I say, was brought up believing one life and then that's it, the judgment. But when I went on my little quest exploring my fundamentalist upbringing after I left my marriage and my belief in reinventing what I thought God was and is. I explored the whole concept of is there such a thing as reincarnation? Because it occurred to me if this world is a place of learning and I think it is. I think it's a whole schoolyard of learning and we come here to learn then if we come here once to learn why wouldn't we come back several times to learn because I can't learn it all in one life so I'm thinking if learning is why we come down here to learn to love give and receive love to expand our experiences of our soul we would need many many lives to do that so that got me thinking got me reading many books there's some great books uh, many lives many masters by Brian Wise W-E-I-S-S. -S. He's a psychiatrist who stumbled onto past life stuff when he was um, working with his patients. Kept that under wraps for 10 years while he researched it. The results were so astounding he couldn't ignore it. But he wanted to because he was an atheist and this was all a bit difficult and a bit shameful for an academic and a psychiatrist at the top of his gang. But anyway, somewhere along the way, 10 years later, he um, put out this book. I believe it was a bestseller. And other psychiatrists also came out with decades of research they'd been doing along the same line. We won't say proving, but 10 years of cases where people were revealing past lives, talking in other languages they'd never talked in, um, substantiating things that they could never have known. Children revealing information they couldn't know at the tender age of three about planes and wars and islands and names of things or visiting sites and knowing where their former family had lived and where everything was in the house and the people's names. Um, remarkable stuff. 
Dr. Eva, Ian Stevenson also did some remarkable work on reincarnation. So have a look at those books. It's, they're easy to read. They're um, great stories. And I think they just expand our understanding to realize that mm, it's not just this one life. This one life is like a link in a chain. And all my previous lives have impacted on this one and will impact on my next next life and as we say in Māori and New Zealand we stand on the shoulders of our ancestors so it's not just this life who we are in this life is a culmination of many experiences and things that we have learnt and brought in um, in fact Ian Stevenson did some really interesting research around birthmarks it's kind of like the spiritual trivial pursuits this particular comment um, and often where people had died in their past life say a wound to their throat or their thigh in the next following life they would have a birthmark or some sort of injury or wound there it was quite remarkable and the injuries because when people went into a past life regression healing and became aware of that life how they died they were hung suddenly the neck injuries that they were experiencing in this current life disappeared overnight interesting isn't it so that's more on another pod on past lives but I'm just bringing in the theme of <clears throat> reincarnation and a lot of work has been done around studying and researching and, and published and in some of these books they go into, you can regress a person right back to before they incarnated, which means before we came into a physical body. And in these before birth moments, people actually planned out what they were coming to learn. What country, what gender, what status, who they would be born to for the purpose of learning. And they would decide this based on their last several lives and what they'd struggled with and what they needed to learn and overcome. And they would consult with a wise counsel before they incarnated so they didn't overload their case. And a lot of this was about, I guess we could call it karmic balancing, but let's find another way of saying that. It was about restoring balance. If they had in another life um, perhaps been very indulgent with food or alcohol and lack of fitness, they may decide in the next life I want to come in and experience being a health teacher and being very aware and learning to control and manage all these aspects of me. Or perhaps they had been in a powerful patriarchal society and on retrospection, reviewing their life after they had died, realized and saw how they had abused, exploited their power, had been dominant, self-serving, and had decided <clears throat> they wanted to come in and learn this life about what it felt like to be on the other side of that experience. And so they'd come in perhaps as a minority culture, um, a female, to learn what it was like to offset that experience. And then in many pre-incarnation discussions where our spirits are discussing how we're going to come in, 
we often incarnate with the same tribe of people and we call them our family. And we reverse roles. So the mother becomes the father, the father becomes the daughter, the son becomes the father, the father becomes the son. And we reverse roles and come in with even more specific genders to complete lessons we haven't fully learned in another life. Now there's lots of fascinating stories about this and I would like in another pod to read you a few in some of Brian's books. Now this is interesting for me because I was not brought up with this. I was vehemently opposed to this. It took all my courage to stand up against God and risk satanic possession and obsession to even read about this and consider this. But I decided back in my 30s that truth would stand and would not be threatened by research and I needed to know for myself, not from a man, a white man in a pulpit. So I explored books about pre-life preparation, karmic debts, and what that all meant. Now, as I read around this topic, the theme that I got was it was, karmic was not, uh, coming in was not a karmic, right, you bastards, I'm going to get you now. It was... It was not about that. It wasn't a karmic debt of spite and revenge. Now you're going to suffer. Taste of your own medicine. What goes around comes around. It was more like, ooh, did I do that? Oh, I can see in my life review, which we get to experience once we pass over, and we we experience this from an omniscient position, i.e., I feel what I did to you. I become you, and I feel what I did to you when I had that affair. So, therefore, we might decide, I have not experienced and do not know what it is like to have, um, to be disconnected in a committed relationship, have someone leave me and to have to learn to fend for myself. So in this life, I will choose to experience this so that I can grow, so that I know the impact of my actions on others, so that I have knowledge and wisdom, tolerance, compassion. And I can grow from this experience because obviously I did not know that. And we come to a place of, I would call it loving wisdom and decide to incarnate to learn some of these things where we have seen, we have fallen short. Now, when I've looked back at some of my past life stuff, which I never used to believe in, and sometimes it's quite astounding hearing myself say that, but I've done past life regressions on myself and they've made sense. They have made sense and it helped me made, make sense of my life. Numerous lives where I've come in as a healer or gifted and I have been uh, thwarted in prison or hung, um, suppressed, repressed for being different, for having a voice, for having gifts and pushed into a patriarchal, compliant, or religious submission. So what did I decide in this life to come back into quite a fundamentalist life, upbringing? Um, 
with the message, a reoccurring message in the church, women are to submit, they are to be quiet. The men will lead, the men know best. To hear is obey, and my way is the right way. You're female, so you are slightly less than and need the guidance of a male God. Not explicitly said, but implicitly implied. Very subtle messages. And one that I believe that the church is growing out of. And this is probably more something I would say was relevant going back centuries ago, but unfortunately there is still some of that happening today. So this is what I came back in for. But this time, this in this day and age, one hopefully cannot be hung or killed or imprisoned for being a female with a voice or a healer or having gifts. In fact, these gifts are beginning to be explored and televised. And quantum physics is beginning to substantiate some of these abnormalities we can't explain, qualify and quantify. And when we have said, well, we cannot qualify and quantify and we do not understand it, therefore it does not exist. Actually, it does. It does. And if you look into quantum physics, there is evidence of the myst mystical, it's the science of the mysticism, where there are two cells separated, one in each, in two different countries. What we do to this cell is experienced by this cell, this biolocality where there is no disconnection in the experience. Many interesting themes coming through in quantum physics. Have a look that they have evidence for and that they cannot explain. And it's like a little secret, mystical microcosm for what is really happening in our macrocosm. Science is beginning to catch up with, with, hmm, let's say the supernatural, the divine. And isn't that fun? So many of us who have been healers, Woman with a voice in past lives who were silenced are now coming through in this generation, generations, to express, to pick up, to complete the work we were not able to do safely in other lives where we were banished. And I think there's a lot of you out there listening who can probably relate to that because I meet so many healers and women who have throat issues. <clears throat> like that, me too. I've had so many throat issues all my life has been throat issues because I could not express my truth. I could not speak my voice. I was actively encouraged to be quiet, to comply and not to be different. Now I could get rather septic about this. I could rant and rave and get septic, rather murderous. And I did that for a while. However, as I discovered with this predestination, pre-life planning, I chose to come in to trigger all these events so that I would face them. And these people that trigger all these events around me are actually my teachers. I have called in to play a part. So they're not really my worst enemies. Some of them are my greatest teachers and love me deeply that they came in. To play this part, to trigger me, 
to face my worst fears of speaking out and being my true self. And as I have attempted to do this at times, I have felt significant blocks, significant blocks. And I have gone to other healers. I've done past life regressions. I've had dreams and I've seen why. It was quite astounding. And then I would look up some of the details I was given around these dreams or hypnotic sessions and look them up and go, oh my God, the 16th century, that's the date I caught. Oh, the Scottish castle, oh, that's what they did. That's what I saw. The act of witchcraft, now I wrote it down here. Listen to this, it's quite fascinating. The Witchcraft Act in 1604 deemed it a felony. A witch convicted of a minor offence could be imprisoned for a year. Found guilty twice, she could be sentenced to death. Now they had to confess through brutal torture and then they were either hung or burnt. They also had to forfeit their goods and chattels. Thank you, Henry VIII. Um, now let's have a look at another act was against conjurations, witchcraft, sorcery and enchantments. And the purpose was to outlaw magic or provoke any person to unlawful love. So that's casting spells on people to fall in love, which is quite interesting. That they were so fearful of that, they actually had to bring it into Parliament and make a law against love potion number nine. Hmm. Henry, Henry, Henry. You should have known better with all your wives. Really? And you're pointing the finger? Well, 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 what can I say? I wonder what karmic... <laughs> I wonder what karmic learning he decided to do when he next came in, when he looked at his life review. Say, oh dear. I wonder if he came in as a witch or a healer in the next life so he could see the other side. Uh, and of course, then we get that lovely expression, the witch hunt, meaning um, something that conjures up that feeling of moral panic um, and blame, unsubstantiated blame. So really, that's what the witch hunts were all about. It was about control and power, status. Anything that's a bit threatening, we can't understand. We better squash it because um, we want to... We want to keep hold of the masses, so we'll just introduce one life, heaven and hell. That should keep everyone in line nicely, because the church really was the government then. And so, of course, there was also lots of, um, oh, there's been so many religious wars, hasn't they? Haven't they? Wiping out the opposition and the Cathars and Christians against this and this against the Christians, all sorts. Terrible, terrible. Now, here's another one, another quote. Um, how they defined bad magic was any kind of witchcraft, sorcery, enchantment, or undertaking to tell fortunes, um, or any pretense in the occult or crafty science. So it was called crafty science. So I think one of my next podcasts along the line I'll be calling crafty science, or I may be writing that on my next um, tax return as my career. I am a crafty scientist. Yes, indeed, I am a very, very crafty scientist. Now, during, I know I'm digressing a bit, but this is interesting, isn't it? Um, following all this 
um, around the 15th, 16th century. All these parliamentary laws. Can you imagine them all getting together? <laughs> in their gowns and their lace and their wigs and their fancy buckles and saying, that woman, that woman, that midwife, that, you know, with the pigs and telling fortunes, probably just trying to make some money, dear God, so she could um, buy some bread feed her family because her husband had uh, died of cirrhosis of the liver through drinking too much and there's no welfare um, and they're making up a bunch of laws because we want to keep the people it's good to have them fearful keep them on their toes and keep the taxes going we don't want them to think they're coming back in another life because that would be far too empowering the fact that they, they are eternal um, evolving spirits no 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 they're just bloody peasants and most of them are off to hell so just keep them on their toes send out the cavalry and do what you must but anyway the enlightenment period followed which was all about science and rational thought and you know they were a bit better to the witches because they pulled all the stuff into line and then there were people like Isaac Newton who actually was a crafty scientist and took quite an interest in the occult and by the occult I don't mean demonic activity and the worshipping of Satan I mean just the supernatural and that which had not yet been explained he had an interesting curious mind and he was fascinated by alchemy and um, let's face it a lot of what we call divine is physics in chemistry we just haven't understood yet and hundreds of years from now they'll be looking back at this thinking all oh, those dark ages in the 20th century where they were so stuck in their rational linear sequential thinking however the enlightenment period was good because it stopped all the uh, the fear of hocus-pocus and brought them into line and uh, prevented any more witch hunts for a little while anyway and now we're moving out of that into, well, what is it, an Aquarius age? It's a new age. It's a different age where we're swinging the pendulum back into the middle and we're beginning to look at things from both perspectives. So that's an interesting and enlightening period we're entering into. So good on you, Isaac Newton. Really, just when we look back on all of that time, it's, it's really a comment, isn't it, about power, status, the weak and the vulnerable. So I would say those of us, and I'm using the word us, because we've all played different roles in different times, have probably been on both sides of the fence playing different roles. Now I know for myself, being a healer in many, many lives, and oh, burp of truth if you heard that, um, being repressed and suppressed, I came in in a life where again I got a taste of that. But this time it was really just to awaken that, to go, and now what will you do? There is no fear of death. Will you come out to play? Will you come out to play in my spiritual garden, darling? Won't you come out, witchy poo, and play? You won't be killed this time, darling. Come out and explore the mysticism in my 20th century garden, darling. Just had to channel that. So here I am, I came back in. 
Now the beautiful thing about this childhood was in this church I was allowed to play with my gifts because uh, there are many beautiful gifts in the church of, they're not called psychic, they're called prophecy and discernment and visions and they are supported and they are in a wraparound philosophy of love, service and forgiveness. So they came with a beautiful vibration. So I grew up and learned to do that. So I am grateful for that upbringing. There were some restrictions in that you don't do mediumship and some other bits and pieces and probably you need to surrender more to men um, to get the blessing of God. There were a few messages in and around that. So like I say, a lot of the churches are changing now. So let's give a balanced review. Some of them aren't, but there are many, many, many different kinds and types. So let's just be um, clear about that. Some have been damaging, some have been not. I had a mixture. And I can really only talk from my experience, but it did help launch me <laughs> in another way. It also stuffed me into the wardrobe. But I needed both to be triggered and to explore my feelings. And as I left the church for a while, because I got all I could out of that, and then I needed to leave because the fences were too high, and I knew these fences were too high, and I had to throw myself over them. I had to long jump over them and see what was out there, and I did, and I found a lot. And through my own past life regressions, um, I realized that a lot of these throats, stuff, things, so many issues I'd had all my life. As I began to uh, find my voice, they began to drop away. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? Interesting, interesting, interesting. And I remember, now this may sound pretty woo-woo, but as I was coming out and starting to speak my truth about seeing, hearing, and knowing things, I remember talking about this. Someone was videoing it. And around my throat, you could see a blue light emanating. This happened several times, otherwise I would not have believed it. And people talk about the energy centers of the body having corresponding colors. And the freedom of the throat, the energy center of the throat to speak your frequency, because your voice is a frequency, it's unique to you and no other. It's recognizable only as a defined um, specific frequency for you. There was blue, there was a blue light. Many videos just kept showing up as I came into my healing. So that's kind of an interesting little um, snippet on that. And then I began to see with others, they'd take shots, we'd see light coming from my hands or coming around us. Now, is that a biggie? Not really. Not really. We are electrical energy. And when we connect to the vast, intelligent, loving energy that creates and is busy out there in, in the deep stratosphere and hemispheres and semispheres and unispheres and multispheres, why would we be surprised to be channeling that, that we give off light and energy and electricity? Um, why would we? So I think the pendulum is beginning to swing back and we're beginning to look at things from both perspectives. That we do come in to do karma. We do come in to do karma. And I had an interesting karmic relationship with my father. Because in another life I had been with him. And I had been thwarted and oppressed. <laughs> and yet in this life, yes it did happen again. But in this life, instead of giving up, 
because that's what I did in the last life. I gave up. Gave up in many of my lives when it's too hard. I can't. I need your approval. I'm too scared to go without your inheritance or whatever it was. But in this life, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't. And though I risked rejection from family and friends and did experience some of that to some degree, the worst rejection was my own. And when I said I accept myself as I am and I will be who I am and I will experiment and play and go with this, things began to change. And the people who had played the role of opposition began to drop away and were no longer working against me because I didn't need them to because that part within me, I wasn't fighting anymore. Did you get that? And I remember in a healing session I was doing around release with my father, I felt our contract was coming to the end. I had come out. I was doing this work. I had actually shared it with him. And to his enormous credit, he had understood and accepted it. And therein lay a lesson for him because in his last life, he was not able to expand and accept differences as much. And so he did. He was able to expand and accept me. And in this healing session, I had my eyes closed. I saw us handing our contracts to each other in completion. And in my mind's eye, it lit up in gold. And the woman who was with me at the time as I was doing this release of our contract and sort of forgiveness between us, all this karmic learning we had been doing, she said, oh my God, Suzanne, your whole room is just lit up in gold light. And we had it recorded, so we saw it on the video later. And I was like, yeah, that's what I saw in my mind. Isn't that interesting? And you know, when I was born and my father held me, he said to me, the first thing I thought was when I held you in my arm, now I must look after you. Interesting thing to say, I must look after you. Because in other lives, there was a difference, a theological, spiritual breakaway and a difference a disapproval, a disconnection. In this life, we've become so bonded through father-daughter, there was no escaping. And we were brought together time after time through, you could call them karmic events, through the ill health of a mutual person we both loved, my mother, his wife, to work as a team with unconditional love for our mother and with each other. And so this, this, I've been lucky to see in this life this, mm, I would say, conclusion to one of my major lessons, which was the fear of coming out to men, to my father, of who I really am. And doing this work and being free, free from the fear. Because I did have some fears. Fear that someone would come and get me. Something would happen. Something terrible would happen. Unexplained irrational fears. And past life stuff can account for many phobias we can't rationally explain. So read some of those past life books. And I do work around that. And it does make a difference. Believe me. I have seen people change overnight from phobias through this stuff. It, it does work. It clears. We bring it in in our consciousness. So, the short of the long, let's get back to this whole issue of karmic as a bitch. We come in, we plan some of our lives and the learning and the themes, and there's flexibility in that. 
but we come in not to punish ourselves or to punish others, but in the framework of some kind of loving lesson so that we can learn why we did what we did and why we wouldn't want to do it again and what it felt like to be that person and how we needed to grow. And there's this mutual, I'm going to say salvation, and clearing and balance of the pendulum as we swing between polarities of experience to bring us wholeness in our own consciousness. Yeah, that was, that was pretty trippy, wasn't it? Pretty trippy. But I know this from my own personal experiences, looking at my relationship and my family, my past lives. So that's just a little snippet, a little snippet. But I have some skills and talents in this life that I can't explain, that have just come in from other lives. Things I automatically knew or were inherently and naturally innately good at that I brought in with me, brought in with me. So this life is a, it's, um, it's one link in the chain of many lives on the journey of evolving through reversal and reciprocity and experience through the framework of love, not punishment so that we know things. So maybe karma isn't a bitch. Maybe the next time you think, oh God, this is karma. Reframe that and go, hmm. Why have I called in this person or this lesson? What is there to learn? Because the idea of learning is actually to free you up so you know more. When you know more, you do better. When you do better, you're actually happier and freer because we're not being held by some restraining fear or some belief that kept us small. We just keep expanding. Every time I have a lesson, some karmic lesson, something, if I don't fight it and I go, what am I meant to learn? And I learn it and I release and I feel express it. Afterwards, there is always a payback. Something moves into my life that I get to experience I couldn't have had before because I had enclosed myself in, in some fearful belief. And I see this in my relationships. I see this with my dad. I see how he has expanded. He's expanded to understand, accept, know, and tolerate so many more parts of me than he could before. And I, him, because we're very different. And despite our differences, there is a love where we support and care despite our theological, political differences. Something has happened in this karmic journey, and it wasn't a bitch. All those lessons which were uncomfortable and awkward pushed me through into something I wanted to learn. And the question he always asked me, why do you have to be so different? Is because I have to be different because I am different. And I am the face of a different future, bringing in different gifts that one day will be considered more normalized in society. More normalized. It will be part of the health system and the education system where we consider, where we consider a holistic picture that includes way out of the spirit, that includes ancestors and that includes phenomena like healing 
and regressions. It allows room and space for questions and to practice things we may not fully understand that are actually for our good, our highest good and priority, to give them room and space to, to be and to breathe. So what goes around may come around, but it comes around in love, comes around in learning. It is not for punishment. It is our free will that we choose to learn and come in. I don't believe we're forced to come in again in another life and learn this. I believe we are met and guided by loving beings on the other side who help us review our life. We go away, we heal, we contemplate, we decide when we're ready next to come in and what we want to learn. Because ultimately every time we grow, we are freer, happier and bigger. We get to play on the new jungle gyms. We get to fly higher. We get to see further because we've expanded more. We're on a wider broadband. It's like a radio station. When we come in and we get our karmic offset, our balancing, we get the other side, suddenly our frequency is wider and we can tune into all sorts of radio stations and enjoy a wide range of music because we've been there and done it all from Metallica to classical. We know it all. We get it. It's become part of us. We've seen it from all perspectives and in that way we become, this is a word I've made up, or maybe it exists, omni-sentient, which means all feeling because we've experienced it from all sides and you know when I channel that's what I do I jump into all perspectives and feel it from all sides and then relay whatever is helpful in their understanding and growth so coming in and doing karmic experience is like channeling we just get to jump into all sorts of characters and roles for the fun, the growth, the learning, and the knowing. Because now I know. Now I know I actually don't want that. I know that because I've done it. Otherwise, how would I know I don't want that and I want that? But that person wants that. I know I don't, but I know they do because I know that they are suited to that because I've been there. So we know what we know and they know and the divine knows. And we come into this, this realm of knowing. And then our intuition expands, experience. Our frequency and our broadband to tune into all sorts of wonderful musical experience becomes greater. So let karma do the rounds. Embrace it. Look for the lesson. It's always a payoff. And the payoff is a playoff. You get to have fun. Higher, deeper, wider. Fly, quicker. Different realms. There is always a playoff, a payoff. In the karmic merry-go-round. It is not a bitch. Perhaps karma is, in fact, an angel in disguise. Yes. In disguise and that my beloved is the brew with Suzanne morning light and love my karmic buddies light and karmic 
love. Remember to email us your questions for our month ending question and answer podcast of channel guidance. The Brew with Suzanne Morning at gmail.com. See podcast image for email. Love and light, tribelings, love and light. <laughs>